Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. Our gospel lesson this morning is from the Gospel of Mark. It is the story of the transfiguration of Jesus going up the mountain with a couple of his disciples and having that miraculous moment where he shines and Moses and Elijah stand next to him and how the disciples react. And so hear now and listen for how God is speaking to you through these words of Mark's Gospel. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, He ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Well, I had a crazy thought this week, thinking about the transfiguration. Maybe it's not super crazy thought, but kind of a crazy thought. Thinking about the the transfiguration and what happens here uh, and how it might how it might work in our lives. But we have, we have here that Jesus is up on this mountain. He's taken three of his disciples with him. And we don't know if it was usual for uh, Jesus to maybe go off and invite only uh, a few disciples to come with him instead of all of them or if this was a new thing. And why did he pick these three, not some of the other ones? But he takes a, these three disciples with him. And he doesn't tell them why. He just says, come, follow me, come with me. He takes them off. uh, uh, And they go up the mountain, and there's this incredible transformation. This event, a happening, almost a a kind of performance art that Jesus does here. And uh, you think of, you know, we have flash mobs today. It's kind of a flash mob that only Jesus could create flash mob where Moses and Elijah show up. Very much out of the realm of experience. I doubt any of the disciples had seen something like this before, and it says they were terrified. Outside of the realm of experience, and the disciples, you know, they see Jesus, he's just, he's glowing. He's bright. Brighter than anyone could bleach. That's That is white. Think of how bleach makes things white. This is whiter than white. He's glowing, this bright light, and there also are Moses and Elijah. 
And I don't know how the disciples knew that that was Moses and Elijah, because they wouldn't have seen any pictures of them, and they'd been dead for hundreds of years. At least Moses had. Elijah actually never died. He was taken up into heaven while he was still alive. But we get the point here. They've been, you know, there are hundreds of years in the past of Jewish history. An incredible moment up on the mountain of Jesus being transfigured. These two important prophets showing up. Moses, the one who led the Hebrews out of slavery from Egypt. Elijah was one of the great prophets uh, during the kingdom of Israel. Very important, so important he was taken up to heaven while he was still alive as a reward for his good work. Incredible moment up on the mountain. And my crazy thought that I had this week it was not so much to ask, well, what does it mean that that happened to Jesus? But the crazy thought of, what if it happened to us? What if one of us had that experience of being transfigured or of being with someone and this happened? I'm assuming none of you have had that happen. I haven't. I would hope as your pastor that if something like this happened, that's what you tell me. You would come back and say, hey, I had this experience, and none of you have, so I'm thinking none of us have had it. What if that happened to us? What if it happened to you? What if one of us got transformed or transfigured or whatever word we want to use? It would be pretty crazy. It'd be pretty crazy and probably uncomfortable. It's certainly a weird thing. That's not the kind of thing that happens in a sensible universe. But... God is not always sensible. God does not always do the sensible thing. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not always sensible. And, and in reality, there's very little in the scriptures of something dramatic happening that's sensible. God is always doing what is not sensible, what is not orderly, what is not proper. The God of surprises. And so what if this happened to you? And I'm thinking Jesus knew this was going to happen. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he just knew he needed to go up the mountain. But let's assume that you knew this was going to happen to you, that you knew you were going to go up a mountain and that you were going to be transfigured or transformed. Who would you take with you? Jesus took three of his disciples, three of his friends. If you knew this was going to happen, who would you want with you to witness this event with you? If it had to be two people, three, four people in your life, who would you take? Friend? Spouse? Another family member? Your pastor? Someone from your past that you remember? Teacher? Mentor? Or do you take the bully from school or the bully from work that makes your life miserable? Bring them up. Maybe as a kind of like, hey, stop teasing me. Look at this. Or take someone who, who hurt you or do you take the people that, that you're closest to or a mix? Who would you take with you if you had three, four choices? Think about it. Who would you want up there on the mountain with you? And when you're up on the mountain and you're going to be transfigured and have two people who were supposedly dead, if you're going to have two of those people show up next to you, who would you want that to be? 
for Jesus, it was Moses and Elijah, two of the great prophets, two very important people from Jewish history, from Jesus' history. And I think in this case, we can kind of take that to, uh, to be a sign that Jesus was trustworthy, that he was in this line of succession of Moses and Elijah and the other prophets from Jewish history. That was a sort of stamp of approval on Jesus saying, yes, he is trustworthy. And the voice also says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So who would, who would you have show up next to you while you're radiating this bright light? Who would you want next to you? What kind of line of succession do you see yourself maybe in? And for me, I think it would be really cool to have Jesus be one of those people. On one side and maybe on the other side of some of the prophets that I really resonate with, like Jonah or Micah or Amos. That would be pretty cool. But we don't have to stick with biblical figures. It doesn't have to be someone from the Bible that's, that's next to you. It would also be pretty cool to have my mom and my dad or a grandparent and one of my parents or some others, uncles and aunts who have died that I really connected with. Or maybe some of the people that taught me a lot about life and about faith, how to be a, a generous and a kind person. I, one person I think about, I, I've mentioned her before, but when I was growing up, we had a neighbor lady, Evelyn Kettle, and she had an in-ground pool in her backyard. And when I was a kid, she did this for probably 20, 25 years, she would invite all of the neighborhood kids over on Mondays during the summer for a couple hours to swim in the pool. And she would supervise and watch over us. And at the end of the summer, she'd prepare a, an incredible feast for us. Uh, and she was really generous. She worked in the bowling league. Made, she, wanted, she thought kids ought to have a place to go. So she was really active with bowling leagues for kids, really active in her, in her church. She'd make thousands of jars of jams every year for their big sale. Uh, and she has been a big inspiration to me, having her next to me. It would be quite a stamp of approval to say, ah, I'm living however poorly I do it, at least somewhat living into her model. Who would you have appear in place of Moses and Elijah? Maybe thinking of someone in your family, parent, grandparent, someone who was really important to you, or uh, someone who would be proud of the way that you're living, maybe a teacher or a mentor on one side, maybe the other side, one of their teachers or mentors. That line of succession there. Or a great, great grandparent. Who would you have stand with you to witness this? Who would you invite to come with you? And who would you want to appear? Maybe not such a crazy idea, but I'd never thought of the story in, that, in this way before. What if it were us who were being transformed? What if it were us who were being transfigured? Who would we bring? Who would we want there? We're going to talk during Lent about transformation, transfiguration, how God is working in our lives, how God is working in Plymouth, how God is working in the world, in the church, and how we 
can work along with God, what God might be calling us to be as individuals, as a community, as a church, and how can we be changed or how would we like to be changed? What can we do to bring change, to make the world a more loving world, to bring Jesus's message to the world? So maybe these in, within these questions about who do we want with us and who would we want to appear next to us, the bigger question surrounding that is simply, who do I want to be? Who does God want me to be? Who am I growing into being? Who do we as a community want to be? Or who do we think God wants us to be. If we allowed it, what would God shape us into like the clay? And how are we going to invite God to be part of that process? Do we bring God with us as well as we're doing this? Or do we forget about God? Because God can do miraculous things. And it's good to have God with us and to remember that we do what we do, at least as followers of Jesus, we do what we do as a response to God's love, to God's presence in our lives. And what is God saying? And I think one thing God is always saying is, you are my beloved. That is always there. But the rest of the call be a little different for each of us. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you on the mountain with whoever you brought with you and whoever is next to you? And what would you like God to say to you? We're being formed or being transformed. God wants to work in us, the Holy Spirit working in us to be God's people, like those pieces of clay that you've had in your hands that you can mold and shape and turn into many different things, but it's still clay. Can't change the essence of what it is. The essence of who we are is here, but who does God want that to be? Where is God molding you? And also like clay, once the clay starts to dry out, and some of it may already be starting to dry out and be a little harder to form. As it loses moisture, it becomes harder and harder to reshape, kind of like with us. If we lose our moisture, and not just meaning literally our moisture or, uh, and staying hydrated, but if we dry out, if our spiritual disciplines dry out, it becomes harder and harder for God to mold us. We stay pliable by keeping our spiritual disciplines up, the disciplines of, of giving, of being generous, of serving others, of praying, of worshiping, of being in fellowship, of learning, and also of being invitational. Part of our spiritual Discipleship is to invite others on this journey with us, to invite others into God's realm. And so if we don't do those, if we're not doing those spiritual disciplines, then we dry out and even God can do little with us. But if we keep those disciplines up, and Lent is a good time to remind us of those, of those disciplines and a good time to think of it. And opportunities abound during Lent. Our street ministry will still be going. Our quilters will still be meeting. 
doing service for others. We have the Wednesday noon and evening meals and fellowship time, spiritual discipleship there, being part of that community, opportunities to give, and lots of opportunities to invite. Keep up those spiritual disciplines. Then we stay hydrated, for lack of a better term. We stay malleable. We stay malleable, and God can do beautiful things with us and transform us and transfigure us more and more into God's people, into followers of Jesus. And and by doing all of that, by doing all of that, we might just find ourselves being transformed. Just might find ourselves, and I would not even say we just might, I think we will. We will find ourselves being transformed. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.